When we think of the typical grocery shopping list, the items we'd expect to see on there might be bread, milk, vegetables, or laundry detergent, just to name a few. But how many people might consider adding a new bank account to that list? Or, more interesting yet, how many people are looking for new financial products not just from their banks, but from places that aren't even financial institutions at all? The answer is more than you'd think. 64% of Americans would consider purchasing or applying for financial products from a technology company instead of a traditional bank. This, to me, changes the way that we look at things. And because of that, the fintechs are now becoming a driving force to this customer base for our financial institutions. And while it might seem like this kind of service is snatching customers away from banks, in actual fact, the complete opposite is true. Banks are looking for new distribution models. Banking as a service is one of those models. And it's really being driven by the fact that the small startup companies, the fintechs, their customers are interested in getting additional services from those companies. So you're able to add that service to your company, increasing the value you have to your customers. The banks, in turn, then have a distribution channel that significantly reduces the cost to acquire those new accounts. This is Financial Futures, the podcast that charts the frontiers of fintech innovation. In this series, we'll be discussing the advances that are modernizing regional banking, bringing cutting-edge tech to institutions and customers alike. I'm your host, Erin Dangler. And in this season eight finale, we'll be finding out all there is to know about banking as a service and how this new method of providing financial products is helping regional banks to expand without the staggering costs associated with building new branches. We'll find out exactly what BASS is and explore the technologies and relationships that create the ecosystem that supports it. We'll explore the value that this service offers to regional banks and customers, and get some expert advice on what institutions need to consider before launching their own BAS offerings. Joining us today on our exploration into banking as a service is Director of Product Management for Banking as a Service at FIS, Barbara Negron, and Business Unit Manager for APIs and Integration Services at FIS, Eric Guyon. And before we get into the weeds of banking as a service, it's important to get an understanding of the basics and learn what exactly BAS is. We love to use acronyms here, but it's banking as a service. It enables financial institutions, banks or credit unions, to offer banking services remotely. It enables banks to provide their products, opening of accounts, debit cards, wire transfers, out to other institutions that may not have the ability to offer them through user experience APIs to fintechs or third-party distributors, small businesses, to offer these to their end customers. So think of like I am a bakery and I have an online website where I want to expand my services out to my customers a little bit more. So my customers, I have very loyal customers. So now I want to say, hey, how about if I open up and I give you Aaron's Bakery Shop deposit account with an Aaron Bakery Shop deposit card. 
That way you can use my services. And now you're going to trust me with my financial services as well. So now I'm going to expand my offering where I'm going to offer my customers financial products through this online website without actually being a bank. But I have a sponsor bank in the back end who is now going to be able to offer these services to me. And these banking sponsors are now have a new channel for them to get clients into the door where in the past, these customers would have to go to their bank to get their services. Now they can do it through a third party, still banking with me. But now because they have loyalty to their businesses, now they're just doing it through the business name. So that also means that I don't have to become a bank. I don't necessarily have to understand uh, finance. It's kind of like a wonderful collaboration where everyone brings their gifts to the table. So what kind of BAS configurations are there? There's two different types of BAS configurations that are out there in the market. One of the most common one is what we call FBO, or for benefit of. And then the other one is Encore. In the Encore brand, your end customers' accounts sit on our banking software core for that bank. So Barb's Bank now has a customer, which is Aaron's bakery's customer, and they sit on my banking core software, and I'm actually servicing these customers as a customer of the bank. For our for benefit of model, which is a little bit different, the customer of the bank is now Aaron's bakery shop. So I have an what we call an Omni account. It's an account which has all of the balances of all Aaron's customers sitting on my core. But within our platform of the banking as a service, there are what we call shadow accounts of the individual customers that make up Aaron's bakery shop. The end customers are not technically customers of the bank in an individual and accounting level, but they're still customers of the overall banking software. They're just sitting within our platform as a shadow account, and the Omni account sits on the bank's core. Interesting. Wow, we're building a cool little town here. My bakery, your bank, maybe Eric's the the fintech here. We're we're, we're building a great metaphor. I'm going with this. So can you tell us a little bit more about the Bass ecosystem, or maybe you did a little bit already, but how do all of the different aspects interplay? There are three facets of our banking as a service platform, and all three are necessary for us to be able to service our customers appropriately. The first one is our financial institutions. You have your financial institutions or your banks on one side. They are the bankers per se. They implement the platform to enable the banking as a service features so that our fintechs or our third parties can access this support. So they actually own the products that are being sold out to the end customers. On the other end, we have our fintechs and our ISVs or independent software vendors. So fintechs own the end-user relationship. They buy the needed experience APIs to be able to implement it into their user experience and offer it out to their end customers. And they have a relationship with both the technology provider and the bank itself. And then in the center of this is the technology provider that brings everybody together. So they overall own the relationship with both the financial institution and the fintechs. And we partner to provide these white label experience technology out to the end customer so they can offer these services. And then we also enable the financial institution to be able to offer these services out to the fintechs. And those are the three legs of the stool per se that allow this banking as a service to run appropriately. I love it. I think I've seen the term uh, matchmaker used for the fintech 
So, what value does Bass offer to banks? The value, and we talked a little bit about this on the open banking session, was banks struggling to improve their distribution channels. So, as opposed to waiting for the consumers to come to them, banks are looking for new distribution models. Banking as a service is one of those models. And it's really being driven by the fact that the small startup companies, the fintechs, their customers are interested in getting additional services from those companies. So you're able to add that service to your company, increasing the value you have to your customers. The banks, in turn, then have a distribution channel that significantly reduces the cost to acquire those new accounts. This gives them a significantly lower cost channel also gives them you know, a third party to distribute this service for them to a customer base that already trusts that third party. So it makes them more agile, the bank does. It also improves from a fintech's perspective the services they're providing to their customers. And then also to the end customer, they're able to bank as they desire to bank, as opposed to saying, I need to have all these different relationships for all these different reasons. The desire of the consumer is one-stop shopping, right? Everything through my phone, everything through one place. So just leaning into that is really the value that banking as a service offers. Giving third parties and their customers access to financial products and services where they wouldn't traditionally find them almost sounds a bit like another hot topic of this season open banking. But the two are not one and the same, which begs the question, what is it that separates these two very useful and very powerful banking services? Here, how we define embedded finance is it's the integration of a financial solution into a business's infrastructure. I like to use the rideshare model. You know, when you think about a rideshare application, you're able to pay for your rideshare after you order it, and then all that flow that where the payment of the rideshare is then paid out to the gig worker all in one flow without having to leave the one application that they're working in. So that, in essence, is what embedded finance is. It's being able to offer these financial services all in one destination without having to redirect customers to third-party destinations. When I think of banking as a service, I think of embedded finance is, is exactly the what, and banking as a servant is how we do it. It's the how behind the what. So even though it's used interchangeably at times, banking as a service is truly the set of the capabilities that enables it to work, delivered through an as-a-service platform. So with the APIs and the cloud-based technology platform, it allows the embedded finance to work. And then it's compliant with the necessary regulatory requirements needed to make these flow by connecting us with our regulated financial institutions. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So we've been talking this season on regional banks and how all of these services can really benefit regional banks. So how does or what kinds of opportunities does BAS offer to regional banks in particular? I think the primary opportunity is it increases their reach. Their brand can get extended out beyond their traditional distribution methods that they have in place today. 
So they're able to reach a significantly different market, perhaps a broader market. Smaller bank could compete with a super regional bank. So the opportunity is to basically continue to compete at a high level for these consumer dollars. And I go beyond just the dollars, and I'd say the consumer relationships. Because as we understand more about our consumers, both the bank consumers and the bakeries consumers, then you're able to continue to target your services, your offerings to those, and continue to improve your loyalty of your client base. So the bank could improve their loyalty with their commercial customers by saying, I can offer these services to you. So you should continue to have your commercial loan through us. Things that we may not extend through the bakery to the bakery's customers, but it makes the relationship between the bakery and the bank much more um, sticky. I'm not a fan of that word, but I think everybody understands it. And you can also reach a, a greater number of customers at a lower cost. And my facts may be wrong on this, so you can please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I read somewhere that it can cost between $100 and $200 for a bank on its own to get a new customer. But with banking as a service, it's somewhere between 5 and $35? Yes, it is a significantly reduced acquisition cost for that relationship. Because if you think about it, how a bank's going to acquire a customer. In many cases, there'll be a branch that tends to be placed strategically based on demographic information that will then reach out to a certain area. And so most of the accounts are looking for the accounts to be driven through that branch. The calling officers are in that location. They're looking to drive small business through that branch location. A branch could be a million dollars. And then there's the staffing, care and feeding of that physical property, just property taxes, right? Any number of different things that come into the operating expense of a physical branch. The thought was, well, we'll just use the internet, use our digital banking presence to do that. Well, that's requiring the consumer to come find you, right? So in this case, this allows Aaron's Bakery, right? You can offer that to your customers. I'm not building a branch. I'm not building a bakery. You've already invested that as the owner of the bakery. Your customers are already coming to you. That's where the acquisition cost of that customer is so much less. And the value of that then is that customer relationship. And that's why it's important for a bank to consider, do I want the for benefit of model or the encore model for banking as a service? How much information, how close do I want the relationship to be between my customer's customer and the bank? Does it make sense? Aaron's Bakery needs to have that same evaluation. How much do I want to be the face of that banking relationship? Or do I want to offer more as like a, maybe call it a referral, that I've established a relationship with the bank, would you like to have a debit card along with this, an Aaron's Bakery debit card? And here's the rewards program you'll get, right, associated with that. And maybe you don't want to be out front with your brand of the bakery. And when there's that sync, that's the matchmaking process. When those two overlap, that the vision for the bakery matches the vision for the bank, that's a good partnership. And then everybody wins. So for regional banks listening out there and they're going, oh, wow, we should jump on this. What do they need to consider to ensure their success with banking as a service? Risk is important. I hesitated there because any banker listening is going to go, thank you, Eric, for stating the very obvious. But this has to be viewed from a risk perspective. 
because your brand is the bank's brand, what I'd advise them is going out beyond their control. They're releasing some control over their brand to the bakery, to the rideshare. And so how much of that control are they willing to relinquish to their customer? And that would be obviously based upon the opportunity they see and the need. You know, Are they looking to grow deposit base to fund additional lending capabilities? Are they looking for additional customer growth to cross-sell additional products into that customer base? For example, that would drive more. They'd need to be on core versus FBO so that they actually have that relationship directly with the customer. What is their technology attitude and expertise? This is a a very heavy API-driven ecosystem. Is that there's a significant amount of application programming interface technology that's used to make all of this magic happen. The bank has to understand that, appreciate it, and embrace it. And know that this is not a light lift. There's going to be a lot of interaction from a technology perspective and decisions that they need to make for that. That also then comes back to risk. How am I going to evaluate all these different components from a risk perspective, from an implementation, from a management perspective? Know your customer, know your business. These type of fraud requirements that we have in the banking industry, that needs to be passed along in this process as well. Now, the opportunity is tremendous. If we look at the research that's been done, is the amount of accounts, pent-up demand for this type of service from just off-the-street consumer, they could significantly grow their customer base and their deposit base by offering this type of service through a partner like Aaron's Bakery. So it's not something that they should enter into casually or lightly, but with eyes wide open and understanding all the different components that are gonna be part of the end-to-end solution. Whether a regional bank goes down the FBO route or the Encore route, there are some tough decisions they need to make but it's not a decision they need to make on their own. And this is just one of the many ways that having a great partner matchmaking between banks and fintechs can help. There's a couple of stats that I think are very impressionable when we talk about the fintech banking as a service and the matchmaking and why we do this here at FIS and why banks should consider doing this. What we found was that more than one third of fintech professionals expect big tech firms to distribute financial services to consumers by 2030. So this is a growing trend in the fintech market. And then 64% of Americans would consider purchasing or applying for financial products from a technology company instead of a traditional bank. This, to me, changes the way that we look at things. And because of that, the fintechs are now becoming a driving force to this customer base for our financial institutions. When you think that there are between eight to 10,000 estimated fintech companies in the U.S., and 50% of these fintechs fall into the FIS target segment for our BAS offering, that shows the type of opportunities that our banks have with this matchmaking role. And I love this matchmaking role because it's like you decide as a financial institution what market you want to play in. And then we have identified with our fintech partnerships, some of these players that are interested in doing banking as a service for you and who are sit in that space. And then to Eric's point, 
you have identified what type of risk you want to do business with. We do all that vetting out for you up front, and then we start the process of moving forward. So a lot of the work that you as a financial institution would have to do to go out to find these possible fintechs, FIS has already done that work for you. And we broker some introductions to the banks between the fintechs and the bank and vice versa. Larger fintechs may want to talk to different banks or multiple banks to find which is the best fit for them. We act as the matchmaker introducing and facilitating partnerships between the fintechs and the banks. So we're talking about all this for you know regional banks, different kinds of banks. What about the opportunities for IBS banks when using BAS to augment their offerings, the integrated banking system? I'd say the advantage from our regional community core customer base, both IBS, Horizon, and the others, is we have a tremendous API ecosystem called Code Connect. So that ecosystem is in place today, running in production, running billions of transactions a month. The beauty there is when we go to a fintech, using the latest and greatest technology from Silicon Valley or wherever, and their their expectation is, I need to interact at this level with this type of technology. That's where that architecture called CoConnect is proven, you know, well-established in the market. And the fintechs that, that I've worked with truly enjoy working in that environment. We've done it right, is what they've said. And it's easier for them to integrate into all the FIS products. So that's where the banks can benefit from what we've done they don't look old and stodgy, put it that way, from a technology perspective, right? We're able to provide them new, great, advancing technologies. And let me just build on that a bit, because I think one of the points that we made that banks tend to be a little bit risk adverse with the platform through the banking as a service, it allows them to connect with fintechs without them actually connecting directly within to their core platform. So it gives them a little bit more ability to be a little bit more risk adverse, yet have an opportunity to go out there and work with our fintechs in a a larger scale. Can you give us a a case study about a client who successfully adapted to offer BAS? There's a couple that come to mind. Probably the most recent was a a smaller group of executives came from another bank, started their own bank, specifically to be, as they call themselves, a fintech bank. So they're not necessarily interested in having Eric as a customer. They're looking for fintechs. The reason for that is the banking as a service model, is that they're looking at, I'll be the bank charter, they'll distribute all their services through these fintechs. So they've carved that niche out in the market, in the banking space, is they are a fintech bank. That way they can customize their services to what that clientele needs. That's Again, gets back to the Code Connect platform, all the FIS relationships we have with fintechs themselves. So it was a great partnership between this client I'm thinking of and FIS. We had all the architecture in place. We had other client relationships through a merchant services group. Their vision matched what we could provide to them. They're able to provide a new distribution channel, purely digital in all ways. So it's not the traditional, as I went back, that's why we don't build branches, right? They say, I don't have a million dollars to invest in branches. So pure digital play. They're able to grow their non-interest income through this, and then they can focus on what their expertise is. For example, this particular bank has some expertise in property management and crypto. So 
they can focus on those things, look for fintechs that support that vision, and then deliver all this through banking as a service with the FIS ecosystem underneath it. I think Eric speaks about it quite well with FIS. It's the broad aspect of products and services that we offer. So being on FIS core, having our FIS products, whether it be from ACH or Y or debit cards, for you to have our breadth of products already purchased, we are enabling your services as a bank. So once that happens and you want to become a bank sponsor through FIS, we enable your products through our banking as a service ecosystem. And then we begin the matchmaking process where you identify what type of fintechs you want to do business with, which segments are you interested in targeting? How many fintechs are you interested in onboarding in a year? Understanding your bank setup or your financial institution with an understanding of what banking as a service is and what that looks like to become a fintech bank, having your compliance and your risk officers on board and understanding what that's going to look like to be able to support the fintechs, all with the assistance of our FIS team to get you started and understanding what this process looks like. And then it's it's pretty simple from there. Once you have your products, we're just enabling your services out to our third parties. Once you have your infrastructure set up to understand what it means to be a fintech bank and getting ready for the influx of customers that we're going to bring your way is pretty much what the process looks like. Bass, it seems, really does create a win-win situation for banks, fintech partners, businesses, and the end consumer. Banks get to tap into a whole new loyal customer market without the usual big spend. Fintechs get to facilitate the Bass partnership. And businesses get to strengthen their customers' loyalty by providing additional valuable services. There's a lot of opportunity in Bass. But it's not something a bank should just dive headfirst into. There are plenty of considerations that all institutions need to make before adopting their own banking-as-a-service offering. So, what parting words of advice do Barb and Eric have for banks looking to step into the world of Bass? I would just encourage the banks listening, before venturing into this, truly understand your risk tolerance, and your brand, do you think this is going to dilute your brand or enhance your brand? Come to grips as an executive team on those two things, because that will drive a lot. The configurations, should you get into this? I was talking to one bank that said they're not interested in banking as a service. They've made a conscious decision to not enter this. So that's fine, right? Not our call. But they've made a conscious decision. They looked at all the factors and said not to. There's a lot of banks looking at this. And a lot of these discussions, I think, focus around those two. Understanding that, and that gets to everything, the brand. You know, if we're enhancing the brand, how does it get enhanced? It's not just about the additional deposit money that you can realize and the non-interest income you can realize. That, that is true. That's there. But the cost of that, you need to understand that and make sure that you're managing your risk properly and your brand because that's who you are. Right. The services are there. The interest is there from the consumers. So once you get into this, you're in it. And as Barb knows, we have a lot of fintechs asking for bank sponsors. And they won't all match. So 
You get in, you're a fintech bank. Like it or not, you're a fintech bank. It's a great ride. It is truly where consumers are are looking to consume or to procure their financial services. So it's the right place to be, provided you understand your risk tolerance and your brand. On the banking side of the house, I also want to say it's a good ride, right? But you decide as a financial institution how far and how deep you want to go. And I think that's an important thing that you need to identify up front to, to Eric's point. Do I want to have one fintech a month onboarded or am I looking back? No, I think more like one fintech a year. Is it quality over quantity? Is it larger deposits or am I interested in more of an encore model where these are truly my customers where I can cross sell additional services or do I just want to have an ability to bring in more for benefit of or FBO fintech. So I'm not so far in the weeds with these individual customers. It's very much you as a financial institution need to define pretty early on or before you even start this, how do you see this growing? And how you start today may not be how you end up in in a year or two, but getting your feet wet, it may be an option for you where you just want to see how it works with one or two fintechs just sitting in a specific section. Do I just want to work with insurance or am I interested in just the medical field? Because that's what I know. This is the brand that I work with. These are the customers that I have today. And I feel comfortable with this type of base of customers bringing into my bank. That all has to be defined up front before you start going into this so that you understand what you're getting yourself into. Um, Again, it's easier to go with what you know, but there is opportunities to grow beyond that if you give yourself the opportunity as a financial institution. Barbara Negron is Director of Product Management for Banking as a Service at FIS, and Eric Guyon is Business Unit Manager for APIs and Integration Services at FIS. That's it for today's show. Thanks for joining us for Season 8 of Financial Futures, a production of Lower Street Media in collaboration with FIS. This season has been produced and edited by Ryan Sutton with production support from Jackie Lamport and Andrew Gannam. Alex Bennett is our audio editor and sound designer. And I'm your host, Erin Dangler. Stay tuned. Season 9 is coming soon. Mm-hmm.